I can't get away from what Brother Morgan did. I, I just, it's just, it's just so. We stand, John chapter one. So let's start at one, Matthew. Chapter one of her, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. Same was in the beginning with God. All right. All things were made by him. And without him was not anything made that was made. Drop down to verse 14, Matthew. And it said, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. We beheld his glory. God bless you. You may be seated. What in the world is glory? What in, I, I've heard people for years say, let's give God glory. And what I think they mean is, let's, let's praise the Lord. Um, but I, I'm not sure we can give him glory. I don't even know if that's possible because I guess in a way it is, but another way to, because in Romans chapter three and verse 23, it says everything we do comes short of glory. We're all have sinned and we've all come short of the glory of God. And um, it, it is so obvious from what we've been taught Sunday, um, it has to be a God thing. He, he has to do it. Because, you know, there's a word for word, okay? In English, it's W-O-R-D. In the beginning was the word. Word was with God, word was God. There are two words in the original language for word in English. There is one called rhema. In Romans chapter 10, it talks about faith cometh by hearing the word. And even though it's the same word, W-O-R-D, as John 1 and 1, W-O-R-D, it's not the same in the beginning. In Romans 10, when it says faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God, the original language uses a word called rhema. Rhema means personalized word. In other words, you, you, you are taking the word of God and you're saying, that's for me. That's for me. And um, that's how faith comes when you personalize it. It's, it's not just the Bible. It's, it's my Bible. It's just not anybody's dad it's our father it's just not just anybody and not just any shepherd but the lord is it's my shepherd you personalize this thing but when you go to one and one of john in the beginning was the word the word is logos logos it's um it's where we get the word logic from in english it's uh where you get the word logo i uh i i had a wonderful elder um in my life who passed away several years ago. His name was J.T. Pugh. And he, he told me wonderful things before he died. Um, two things I, I remember so prominently. One, he said this. He said, you're into fourth and fifth generation apostolics now. People that have been giving one generation after another. He said, it has created a wave, Harold. And he said, I wish I would be alive to see it. But he said, you, you're going to see it. And he said, there's going to be a lot of money coming to the church. And he said, my only warning to you is, please handle it responsibly. And don't waste it. Don't squander it. The other thing that was so prominent that he told me, he said, I believe the closer we get to the coming of the Lord, that there will be fresh approaches to the Revelation of, of the oneness of God, the revelation of the mighty God in Christ. And um, I, I had, uh, I, whatever, I've had lots of wonderful experiences through the years. But years ago, when I was a young preacher, before I was married, I was preaching in Greenfield, Indiana. And um, there was a young boy there named Larry. Uh, he, he lived on the street. And uh, uh, he just wandered into church that night. And um, when I got done preaching, um, 
he just, he literally, you know, went up. He, the Lord filled him with the Holy Ghost. He literally went up in his jeans, jumped over the rail in the baptistry and said, let's get it right now, preacher. Let's do it right now. And so I, uh, I baptized him. It was just fun. And sat down there. Everybody else was gone and we were sitting on the altar. And I, that's when you used legal pads, which kids don't have any idea what a legal pad is now. Before the iPad was a legal pad. And uh, um, there was no electronic to it whatsoever. It was just longhand, you know. And so I always used legal pads back then. And I, I explained to him a little bit about what I'll do here tonight. And uh, tore off those pieces of yellow legal paper and gave it to him. When I left that city, it would be years before I would ever see Larry again. And I was preaching a camp meeting in West Virginia. And um, there was a handsome guy there with this, at the end of the service that night. He said, do you know who I am, Brother Hoffman? I said, no, I don't. He said, I'm Larry, brother. It's Larry. He reached into his Bible and he pulled out these dog-eared pieces of yellow paper from his Bible. And he said, I never, ever forget that night, brother. I want to introduce you to my wife and my four boys. He said, I'm pastoring a church now. And, uh, it was just one of them, you know, one of them moments when you paid off, you know. A couple weeks after, I gave him my phone number, and a couple weeks after that, he called me, and he said, I've got to tell you this. It just happened, Brother Hoffman. He said, remember that thing you told me that we'd have fresh approaches to the, to the revelation? I said, yeah. He said, we're driving down the road, and my little boy said, McDonald's, Daddy, McDonald's, McDonald's. And he said, he saw them golden arches. And he said, McDonald's, McDonald's, let's go get some McDonald's. He said, as soon as he said that, I got the, I got the revelation. I said, okay, I'm following. What, what do you mean? He said, you know, you know, there's a, have you ever heard of Hamburger University, Brother Hoffman? I said, yep, I'm familiar with that. Uh, if you work for McDonald's, you go to what's known as Hamburger U. And they teach you how to make a McDonald's hamburger. Every McDonald's hamburger is the very same thing. Same thing. There's a, a very, you ever, if you go to Burger King, uh, you get, you don't know if you're going to get two pickles or 20 pickles. <laughs> I've had Burger King hamburgers where it was like a pickle sandwich with a, a little bit of hamburger in there. Not McDonald's. There is a machine that squirts an exact amount of, of ketchup and an exact amount of mustard. And, and I don't know if it's one or two pickles, but, but it's, it's, there's a formula here. And he said, I realize, Brother Hoffman, that every time you see those golden arches, regardless of where you are, you know it's going to be the same Heimberg whether it's West Virginia or Indiana or California, it's a McDonald's hamper. He said, you know what them golden arches are, Brother Hoffman? That's the logo of the McDonald's Corporation. And he said, when I realized that the, when my little boy saw them golden arches, McDonald's, he said, it was like my spirit just went, and I saw it. He said, remember how you taught me that logos is where the word logo came from. He said, just like the golden arches, when you see it, you know, I'm going to get the same hamburger there as I get anywhere else. He said, Jesus Christ is the logo of the spirit of God. And all the fullness of God dwells in him bodily. It's the same stuff. Anywhere you go, when you talk about Jesus, it's the same stuff. And it was like, yeah. And all I could remember was that elder telling me, people are going to give you fresh approaches. I've, I've seen that happen. I, 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 uh, it's, it says in John 4.20, you know, what, what is God? 
God. When you, when you look at John 4, verse 24, it said God is spirit. God is spirit. But um, there's another verse that's in uh, 1 Timothy 1 and 7, or 1 and 17. It says, now unto the king, immortal, eternal, invisible, which makes perfect sense. Spirits, you know, can't see him. And that explains a verse that's in John chapter 1 and verse 18. No man has seen God at any time, but the Son declared him. And, and there, there are lots of spirits in the Bible. Angels are spirits. Demons are spirits. We have a spirit, okay? But there's, there's, a, there's a verse that's always just captivated me, and it's in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 4. It says there's one body and there's one spirit. But I want you to notice on the screen behind me how spirit is spelled. It's not just S-P-I-R-I-T. It's capital S-P-I-R-I-T. Because there's lots and lots of spirits in the Bible. But there's only one spirit gets a capital S. The supreme spirit. God is that spirit. Okay, you with me? So, follow me with the revelation. Here's 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 17. It says, now the Lord is that spirit, capital S. So, I, 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 don't, I don't care if you call that spirit God or Lord. There's just one spirit, okay? So now you come to Acts chapter 9 and verse 5. Saul is on his way to... Uh, uh, Damascus in Syria, and he's going to, I used to think Paul put Christians in jail. And, you know, they made bail on Monday and got out. He talks about he killed people. I had a man here one time said, did you ever think that maybe that was his thorn in the flesh? Maybe, maybe that was the thing that just bugged him for the rest of his life, the guilt that he carried with what he did to the church. They've always guessed about what it was, but uh, here's Acts chapter 9 and verse 5. He's on his way to Damascus and all of a sudden in, in the original language it says, like the sun at high noon on a cloudless day. He said a light brighter than the sun knocked me off of my horse. I'm sitting in the middle of this road and said who art thou Watch the answer. I'm Jesus. I'm Jesus. <laughs> if there's only one spirit, just one supreme spirit, and that supreme spirit is known as God, or also known as Lord, what's the name? Okay? Because if you're following me, whether you, whether you call God or Lord or spirit, it's the same thing. So I, I, I'm, I'm grammatically correct by saying this. Paul was asking, who are you, God? Who are you, Lord? Who are you, supreme spirit? I'm Jesus. I'm Jesus. The name of the spirit isn't God, not Lord, not Father, Son, or Holy Spirit. It's not the name. Would any of us doubt that that one supreme spirit is holy? But that's not the name. The God is spirit and the saving name of our God is Jesus. But see... There's only, if you study this Bible, there's only one legal liquid that can wash sins away, that can redeem us, which means to purchase us, to buy us. It, the analogy in the Bible, we were slaves, and just like slaves used to be bought on the auction block, Jesus bought us. Peter talks about that. 
There's only one legal liquid that can wash sin away, and that's blood. If God remains spirit, he can't redeem anybody. He's never going to be able to remit anybody's sins. So God has to get a body. He has to be seen. John said in verse 14, we saw his glory. Listen to these two verses. Here's Luke 1 and verse 2. Even as they were, even as they delivered them unto us from which from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word. Here's my favorite verse. This is 2 Peter 1 and verse 16. For we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but We were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Eyewitnesses. Now, um, Brother Cabot, you know, he's pastoring in Port Yoram, but uh, he he got a Juris doctorate. He's a lawyer. Great guy. In a court of law, an eyewitness is the Holy Grail. Uh, it, it, It is the most sought of all evidence. Lawyers don't like to try a case if it's just circumstantial. I mean, this is Detroit. I mean, uh, <laughs> I, boy, I, I just thought of this recently. It just came to me and I saw it. I think Jeff Woodworth's here somewhere. Are you here, Jeffrey? I'm so glad you're here. He never gets to come to Bible class. Never. He's always working. But he's... He was here at prayer Monday. He's here tonight. I love you, man. I really do. And uh, I asked Jeff years ago, I want you to develop a prayer life. You, you stay around this parking lot. And if Jeff Woodward's in town, sometime every day, if he's in town, he comes by this church and prays. All of these years that he's done that, that's why he's still standing. That's why he's still there. He'll tell you that. I'm not making that. Jeff, Jeff had a, uh, used to work at a Mercedes dealership. Lots of unique people come in there, but one of them was a guy named Tony Giacalone. If you're Detroit and you've got any history at all inside of you, you know who Tony Giacalone was. Um, He was the head of the mafia. And Jeff used to work on his cars. Very imposing, very flashy dresser, but he didn't suffer fools. And um, he was in charge. When he was in room, all the air was out of the room. Everybody's looking at him. He just commanded presence. Just what he was. When we sold the old church building, we sold it for a lot of money, $550,000, which was a lot of money back then. And um, there, there, there was a lady that was connected with some families here in the church. Somehow, we, they were just thanking God for it. Her husband found out that I had $550,000. And he requested a meeting with me and he said, I have a group of business associates. They have a proposal for you. Would you talk to them? And I said, okay, sure. I went into a room in Warren. There was probably a dozen people in that room. They gave me three single-spaced pieces of paper, single typed, single spaced type lines, three complete pages of paper. It was full of things like we have 
this excavator and it's worth this much thousand dollars. And we have these bulldozers and they're worth this amount of money. And we have these trucks and we have all this machinery. And it was millions of dollars worth of machinery on there. And they said, Pastor, we need a short term loan. This is our collateral, what you have on these papers. We need your money, and we want to know if you would be willing to loan this money to us for one year. If you'll give us this money for one year, we, we are willing to go in agreement with you that we'll give you 100% interest. We'll give you $1.1 million in one year if you'll loan us this money, and you can have this for collateral. Something in my spirit just said, run. Run. Get out of this room. I had no idea who I was talking to. I just, something in my heart just said, there's something bad going on here. Get out of this room. So, there was a young pastor in Waterford. His name was Tony Koppel. And they were struggling to try and dig out of work. And so I called him one day and I said, hey, I know it's your birthday. I want to take you out for your birthday. Anywhere you want to go, I'll, 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 my treat, I want to take you out. Just trying to encourage him. Well, Tony Koppel's a foodie. I, I, I never have been a foodie, but he is. Anywhere I want to go, huh? Yep. <laughs> So he took me to a place called the Marcus Red Fox, which was on Telegraph, which was a really, really nice restaurant. And he had, he, I still remember, he ordered something called Chateaubriand. I had no idea what a Chateaubriand was. I just remember it cost me 90 bucks. <laughs> 90 bucks. A whole beef tenderloin. It was magnificent. It was magnificent. But it took a while for it to cook. I, uh, while we were waiting, I, uh, I was walking around the restaurant and there was a little meeting room off to the side and I just went over there, heard these guys laughing and, and I poked my head in. And there, there was a lot, they were smoking cigars and they were, they, they were drinking and carrying on having what to them was a good time. As Soon as I poked my head in, it went perfectly still and they looked at me. And this one guy looked at this man and went like that. And all of a sudden, the guy came over and shut the door in my face. But I remembered what he looked like. He was the guy in the room in Warren. And then I found out something powerful. I asked the waiter when he brought this $90 hunk of dead cow, which was a great meal. But the problem with a great meal was three hours later, I'm still hungry again. You know, I don't care what you eat, man. Where were, where were we the other day? Some guy had a 12-pack of ramen noodles, and he said, all right, here we go. We're going to have dinner for 12. Who wants to make an offer on dinner for 12, you know? And uh, if you're a starving college student, you know ramen noodles is a lot of your diet. I asked the waiter, I said, what's going on over in that room over there? And he said, don't you know what today is? And I said, you know, whatever, Thursday, whatever. He said, no, 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 no. This is July the 28th. He said, uh, or I'm, I'm shooting, I, I don't, I can't call to memory the exact day. He said, this is the day Jimmy Hoffa disappeared years ago. He said, this was the last place Jimmy Hoffa was ever seen. And he said, every year on this day, that bunch of guys rent that room and they have a party. And I went, holy smokes. Boy, am I glad I ran. You want to know why they've never been able to prosecute anybody for killing Jimmy Hoffa? For two reasons. Number one, they can't find a body, you know. Uh, they declared him dead after seven years, but there's still people think he's alive somewhere, which is lunacy. But 
He's very, very close to his wife, very close to his family. He's gone. But they could never get anybody that they could put on a stand and say, I saw that guy shoot Jimmy Hoffa. They've never had an eyewitness. Now, there's been all kinds of rumors and theories. They've dug up stuff around here for the last 20 years, and they'll keep on doing it. Jimmy's gone. They're never going to find Jimmy Hoffa. They don't have anybody that saw it. I love what Peter said. I was an eyewitness of his majesty. I saw it. I think he's talking about Matthew 17. When Jesus took Peter, James, and John up into a mountain, he said, all right, fellas, watch this. Boom. And he starts shining. Moses is there. Elijah's there. (laughs) Did you ever read that scripture? How that Michael, the archangel, disputed with Lucifer over the body of Moses. Why in the world was there such a fight over his body? i tell you why. Because Moses died on the other side of Jordan. Before he died, the Lord let him go up into a mountain and see Canaan land. But he never, because he struck the rock two times, He lost the privilege of leading those people into Canaan. But when you look at Matthew chapter 17, Jesus is transfigured on a mountain right smack dab in the middle of Canaan land. He got there. It just took him about 900 years. I think Satan is always going to fight to try and make sure that the body doesn't ever end up where it's supposed to. We're the body of Christ. And we have destiny. We have, we, we, there's a destination that we are determined to have. And he's done everything he possibly can to make sure the body doesn't get to where it's supposed to go. But just as sure as Moses ended up on that mount, I promise you, the church of the living God, the gates of hell won't prevail against it. Church is going to get to where it's supposed to be. All right? And, 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 and it, 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 it's, it's, it's so powerful to me because when he, he shoots off his mouth and says, hey, let's build three churches. <laughs> Let's build one. There's the two biggest guys in, if you're a Jew, Elijah and Moses. Those are the two big kahunas, man. But all of a sudden, bam, they are on their face. It says Jesus touched them. It said when they lifted up their eyes, all they saw was him. And there's lots of stuff you can get out of that, but one of them is this. Nobody shares a stage with Jesus. Nobody ever dares to be his equal. Never. I think that's what Peter's saying. I saw it, boys. I saw it. I, I, I was an eyewitness of his, his majesty, his, his glory. I saw him shine. It's not enough to have the Bible. Lots of people have the word. But precious few have the revelation. You know what happens when you get a revelation? I see it. I see it. I see it. No wonder Paul said in Corinthians 4 and 4, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ should shine on them. The mind blinder is very good at what he does. Trying to stop people from seeing who he really is. I read something years ago and it said, a mind that is stretched to a new idea will never return to its original dimensions. We got moms here. They got stretch marks. Proof 
that I've given birth to someone. And the church is supposed to have stretch marks. This mother of the church, there's supposed to be evidence there, things that you can see. I mentioned it briefly Sunday, but I'm going to echo it again because the value of truth is never diminished because of repetition. How many times have you heard two plus two is four? And it's still great. You remember the first time you figured that out? I do. Alta Casarda taught me that in McKinleyville grade school. I still remember when my little brain went, ah, I still remember that. It's still right. And there are things that when, when, when it's true, it doesn't ever become any less when you repeat it. Ladies and gentlemen, let's not be satisfied with being a Bible church. Oh, you ought to go to our church. Man, we have great preaching here. We're a word church. Let's not be satisfied with being a word church. Only. Because this is what Paul said who also hath made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the spirit, for the letter killeth, but the spirit giveth life. Wow, you can have the Bible and be dead. I've seen people use the Bible to kill people. Oh, really, there's a place, it's in Colossians, where Paul said, beware of the concision. There's another word sounds similar in the Bible, circumcision. But that's not what Paul said. Paul said, beware of the, see, the word concision means mutilation. But circumcision is a very delicate surgical procedure. I remember being in Okinawa one time, or not one time, we were there for months, military guys. I still remember, I wanted to paint the church. And I asked the fellas, Hey, you, you know where we can get some paint? I still remember a guy named Alexander looked at another guy named Sharpless and he said, oh yeah, we can get you some paint. The next day, two 55-gallon drums of white paint ended up outside the church with dirt on them, dirt on them. We always had a work day. Every Saturday was work day in Okinawa. We, 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 There's only one Saturday I remember we, we missed. Every Saturday we worked. Either trying to reach people or having some type of meeting or working on that old building. And we started painting. And I watched them fellas painting. We had a, in a courtyard. It was a concrete block wall around the property. And it was mildewed and, you know, it's, it's very, a lot of dampness over there. Things just get mold and mildew on them. And, and we hosed it off the best we could and they're, they're painting. They're just laughing. They're just laughing. He said, you just wait, Brother Hoffman. You just wait. I had no idea what that meant. They gave me. Is it 50 or 55 gallon in a drum? Huh? 55, isn't it 55? They gave me 110 gallons of road stripe paint. I'm not talking Valspar down here at Home Depot or Lowe's. Whatever. You know that, that paint they put on roads where the white lines and it lasts forever and it shines in the dark? They got me 110 gallons of that paint. And every car, I loved it, man. Every car that would come up there in the evening and shine its light, whoa. That church would just, bam, like Bob said, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride. It was, boom, it was just wonderful. And I'm watching these guys paint this wall. And they're just, there's paint everywhere. And I'm going, hey, man. Don't go wasting all that paint. They said, oh, it's good enough for government work. And I said, what does that mean? I'd never heard that phrase, good enough for government work. He said, oh, this, this is how we explain it, Pastor Alvin. He said, uh, let's say you got a Hershey bar with almonds and you want to cut that in half. He said, if you're in, your in the military, you got to measure that with a micrometer. We're not talking inches here. We're talking millimeters here, you know. 
You've got to find the exact center of that thing with a, with a micrometer. And then you just can't mark it with anything. You have to use a draftsman's pencil. And you have to find, put a fine tick in the middle of that thing. Right? You've got to find the dead center of that thing. And then you find the rustiest axe that you can find. And you chop that sucker right in half with that axe. He said, that's what it means when it's good enough for government work. We're painting, but we've got a lot on the ground. That's concision. That's, that's a mutilation. But circumcision is, 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 is a very precise procedure. It, it, it's, it's just the letter killeth. You ever seen anybody take the Bible and kill a new convert? I have. Oh, man. Self-righteous bunch of thieves. Bible said, thou shalt not steal. I told a story about an old gentleman in Atlanta. This, this live stream thing goes everywhere. 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 And, and I was preaching in a place not long ago and he said, I love that story you told about that old man in Atlanta. Worked for months to win a couple they got baptized, got the Holy Ghost. Before I could get my clothes changed, this old man came up and killed him dead. Killed him dead. I never saw him again. Never saw him again. Largest church in Atlanta was Charles Stanley First Baptist. The second largest was Rehoboth Baptist. I taught a Bible study for seven months to the administrative pastor and his wife of Rehoboth Baptist. They got baptized and got the Holy Ghost but before I could, the baptistry was back there. Before I could get my clothes changed and come out, this old man killed him. You got to shave off that mustache. <laughs> they were gone. Monday night was prayer. He's at the front pew. Always took off his shoes, you know, holy ground and all that. Had a big old Bible. Had his handkerchief. Hitting that Bible with that handkerchief. Talking in I sat on that pew behind him and I put my arms over that over that back of that pew and I said, Brother Alvin, do you hear me? I said, Brother Alvin, if you ever kill one of my babies again, I'm going to kick you in the rear end so hard you're going to taste shoe leather. You hear me? He stopped and he said, I don't believe a man of God ought to talk to another brother that way. I said, well, let me tell you what Jesus said about you, Brother Alvin. I ought to wrap a rope and a big old rock around your neck and take you down there to the lake and throw you in a nameless grave because you killed a baby. You killed a little one. Ah, I saw a man take some obscure scripture in the Bible which had nothing to do with that and just killed that young faith. Just killed it grave, as Jerry Clower said, graveyard dead. It's not enough to have the word. We got to have glory to go along with the word. God is the spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Truth is right information. But spirit, that's a whole different animal, see. We got to have the letter and we got to have the spirit. Because if all we got spirit, it's nuts, man. There's formalism, that's all Bible. There's fanaticism, that's all spirit. There's a ditch on both sides of the road. You got to find it, be able to find that center and keep that thing going down the right. You know, don't get too spiritual that you're no earthly good and don't get so carnal that you couldn't feel God if he was blowing like a hailstorm. It's just, this is, this is important. My God, look at the Ark of the Covenant in the Old Testament. There's, who, who can tell me what was in that original box? Can you tell me this Bible class? Who, can you tell me what was in there? Huh? Staff, Aaron's rod. Okay, what else was in there? Tupperware box of what? Manna, called an omer. Tupperware. Okay. And what's the third thing in there? There you go. Second set of tablets. I love that. Second set. Moses broke the first set. Moses is the first guy who broke all 10 commandments at once. 
adultery, stealing, lying, darn my mom, mom and dad, did the whole thing, man. Bam. <laughs> That's a real ark. You, you, when you, when they're going through the wilderness, there's a, there's a, there's a power struggle that goes on. And Moses names his brother. He said, I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to figure out who's going to be in charge. Because back then, everybody had a stick, a staff. Everybody had one. He said, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to take the staff of the leader of all 12 tribes. And I'm going to put him in the tabernacle. And we're going to see what happens. The next morning, when they went and pulled them 12 sticks out, 11 of them look exactly alike, but there's one of them that's totally different. It's Aaron's rod. It, 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 it's, it's fascinating because Aaron's rod, it's very specific in the Bible. Take, take, always take time to study this stuff out. When it's, it's almond wood. Almond wood. I learned years ago, I've been playing with wood for a long time right now. I... So happy Jesus was raised in a carpenter shop, man. So raised in a carpenter shop. And it's just a almond wood. See, wood has three parts. It has bark, and then it's, it's got this hard core known as pith, P-I-T-H. And around the, the, the core of the wood, between the core and, and, and the bark is something called cambium. This is the real living part of it. This, this is where that sap goes back and forth. This is where these emerald ash borers killed all these trees. They didn't bore in the middle. They just, right between the bark and that living cambium, they just chewed it all up. Aaron's rod is almond wood. Remember Jacob? When Jacob is running from his brother, he ended up at a place called Luz. That Luz. The word luz means an almond branch cut off. The driest seed, here's the thing about almond wood. Almond wood has no cambium. It's just got bark and hard, dense core. So when almond wood dries out, it's known as the driest wood in the world. It's not by chance that Aaron's rod was almond wood. It, it, it had less of a chance of, of, of coming alive than all the others. But when, when they went back the next day, li listen to number 17 and verse eight. And it came to pass that on the morrow, Moses went into the tabernacle of witness and behold, the rod of Aaron for the house of Levi was budded, brought forth buds, bloomed blossoms and yielded almonds. Overnight, man, that, how long had that stick been in it? He didn't just indiscriminately pick up. This thing had been passed down for generations. This is a big deal, man. This is like when the dad gave you the keys to the, to the station wagon or something, man, or, or the motorcycle or whatever it was. This, this, he, this, he's had this thing a long time. They come in there and this stick has got shoots on it. And some of the shoots just end in buds. And the others are blossom. He has got almonds overnight. And that was the way that they determined that the house of Levi was going to be, that, that's where the, the, the Old Testament, the church leadership team was, was going to come from. What, what an example. Look at the trees in Michigan right now. The end of, of any living tree, the end, on the end of the limb are these buds. But in just a few days, won't take many like today. These buds are going to explode into blossoms. Beautiful flowers and green leaves are going to start poking out. Prophecies of fruit to come. In the fall, you're going to have a harvest. What an example of a church. There are things in the spirit, ladies and gentlemen, they're just buds. They're just bumps that tell you church is still alive and it survived the winter. And there are blossoms, beautiful colors and leaves that keep us shaded in the summer and, and then there's fruit. We got buds in this church, new converts. 
I love new converts. I love them, man. Brother Hoffman, let me read you this scripture. And I say, oh, isn't that wonderful? Heard that scripture 5,000 times. I don't care. Listen to them people. Where's Andrew Lewis at? Come here, Andrew. I told you he was going to do this. Andrew came into my office a couple days ago and he said, I got, I got an example for you, Pastor Hoffman. And he said, hold out your fist and clench it, Pastor Hoffman. And he said, watch this. He said, now open it up, Pastor Hoffman. He said, that's first church. heard anything like that. I've been around preachers all my life. I never heard that. God can't bless you if your fist is always closed. <laughs> yeah, you might have 20, but that's all you're ever going to have. Open up your hand. The Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Quote, unquote, Andrew Lewis. That's a bud back there. Ah, he's not really a bud now. He's blossom. He's been here for a while. We got people just got baptized. They're buds. They're prophecies of things that are coming. We got people that are coloring up. We're, we're seeing their colors now. We're seeing their leaves come out. <laughs> it's just, oh my God, have mercy. And blooming. We're getting the revelation about worship, prayer. Giving, living in community together. And there's harvest, fruit. I'll tell you what fruit is. Fruit is a promise. The cycle's gonna keep on going. There's gonna be another tree and another tree and another tree because that fruit ain't just there to eat. There's seeds in the middle of that dude, man. It's gonna perpetuate the thing. Oh, Brother Morgan, I'm driving him to the airport. He said, Harold, I think I've made mention this in prayer meeting, but he said, Harold, David just didn't shoo away the lion or tell the bear to get. He said, if he would have just knocked that bear down, that dude got up and killed him. He said, David learned a lesson. He, 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 he knocked that bear down, he killed it. He knocked the lion down, he killed it. I, I, I thought for a long time, David killed Goliath with a slingshot. No, he just knocked him down. He took Goliath's sword, whacked that, chopped that guy's head off with his own. Isn't that great? What a message. The enemy slain with the very thing he intended to kill you with. Bible said no weapon formed against you is going to prosper. You know what? That, it says formed. It's already built. Satan has wasted all this time building this circumstance in this machine to destroy you. And at the very last moment, Jesus just takes the batteries. Or clips one of the red wires. Or throws the breaker switch. And he's going. <clears throat> it's already formed. But it's not going to work. It's not going to benefit. It's not going to prosper. Oh Jesus. One of these days. Bible said you see through a glass darkly. Be faithful. One day he's going to give you a rear view mirror. And he's going to show you. I saved you there. I saved you there. I spared you there. You didn't know what was going on. You wondered, but I saved you there. <laughs> I've been watching these Ukrainian guys blow up these Russian tanks. And they're hiding behind all kinds of stuff, blowing up all these tanks. That's you and me just going down the road of life and enemies over there with all this stuff just going to ambush us. And all of a sudden goes, and the gun don't work. Oh, Jesus' name. How did that dry almond rot? The driest, how did it thrive? Spirit. Look at that ark. There's twice as much miracle in the box as word. There's word, there's tablets, but there's a box of manna that was a witness of the, the miracle <laughs> that the Lord gave them every morning. 
It's, a, it's the broad of Aaron. Probably still got dried leaves and old almonds on it. Stuck it in that box. Thank God for the word. Ladies and gentlemen, we need twice as much miraculous visage. We need miracles, signs, wonders. That's what speaking in tongues is. It's a sign. If everybody had the Holy Ghost, nobody'd have to speak in tongues. Bible said it's a time, not for the believer, the unbeliever. You read the book of James, the hardest thing to control is your faculty of speech. When the Lord controls and burglarizes your tongue and magnifies himself with your nasty old tongue that's been cussing and tasting who knows God knows what, kissing God knows who knows where it's been. But I tell you what, God takes that filthy old thing and uses it as a megaphone to magnify his majesty and his glory. That's power. That's power. That's a sign. That, 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 that's a sign. Oh, what's going on in this church right now? It's glory. It's glory. See, I preach all over the world. What's the gospel? Trying to show how smart I am. Gospel's death, burial, and resurrection. Mm-mm. I'm not preaching that no more. Oh my God, Brother Hoppin's going to give up on the message. I'm going to give you some Bible. Watch. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received and wherein you stand, by which you're also saved, if, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you. Don't forget what was preached to you unless you believe in vain. Don't ever buy into this foolishness that says once you're saved, you're always saved. Makes a nice theory. All you got to do is read the first story in the Bible. They're in paradise. They get booted out. For lack of obedience. That don't sound to me like unconditional eternal security. Sounds to me like you can stay here as long as you obey. Jesus said, he that endures to the end. Not who's strong. He that endures to the end. Same's going to be saved. Now you might have one arm, one leg, one ear. But, all, but make sure you finish. Because when you get there, you're going to get the ears back, the legs back, the arms back. You're going to have a body fashioned like unto his glorious body. For God's sakes, crawl across the finish line if you have to. I remember an old man told me years ago, if you ever see a turtle sitting on the fence post, you can guess, you can just guarantee he didn't get there by himself. I'll tell you what, when you cross the finish line, you're going to be so grateful your brothers and your sisters and people say, you can make it, you can make it, you can make it. (laughs) Ah, Jesus. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received. So he said, I'm not ever asking you people to do something I didn't do first. How that Christ died for our sins according to scripture and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scripture. Semicolon. So I looked it up today. Definition. Semicolon is typically between two main clauses that is more pronounced than that indicated by a comma or a period. In other words, these original translators knew the thought's not over. In fact, we need to make what he's about to say more pronounced than what he previously said. Hey, Matthew, find Ed McMahon saying, here's Johnny. See if you can find one of them on on YouTube. I'll wait. Matthew's got the quickest fingers in in the history of the apostolic church. That's it right back there. All these people come preaching. Where did you get that guy? Nobody can keep up with me. Matthew can. Matthew can. See if we can find something here. These kids don't know this. There used to be a late night talk show. Before Jimmy Fallon and before Jimmy Kimmel and them other guys, there used to be a guy named Johnny Carson. And every night he had this sidekick named Ed McMahon. And Ed McMahon always did the very same thing. Let's see if Matthew can find it here. I think it's appropriate. 
in Bible class. God love him. His, his fingers are catching on fire back there. You have no idea how complicated this is. I just threw him into the deep end of the pool. But I have such confidence in him that he's probably going to be able to pull this off here. Huh? I get it, man. Just a sec. Jesus said I'll be right back. He's been gone for 2,000 years. Aren't you glad he didn't say I'm going to take my time? <laughs> Remember what the Bible says a day with him is a thousand years? Right? So, 12 hours? Huh? 12 hours is 500 years. Okay. Six hours? What is that? 250 years? Three hours? 125 years? Hour and a half? Couldn't you live for Jesus for an hour and a half? That's 75 years, about somewhere about that. Your whole life, just an hour and a half to him. So, oh, it's been, just, never mind. We'll have a little bit of, trust me, this is very complicated, what I've asked him to do, but maybe, sissy. And if it's not going to work, Matthew, I get it. Buffer. I gave it. I should have given you notice. Oh, we're getting there. See. No, we don't want Ed McMahon drunk. How do we reach a younger generation? he'll, He'll be able to fast forward it. And, uh, yeah, see what he does. I'll tell you what, you play with it back there. And later on, if you have it, just put it up here, okay? He'll put it up here in just a little bit, but I'm going to go on. Every night, every night, Ed McMahon, publisher, clearinghouse guy, every night, Ed McMahon would go, here's Johnny. tell you what a semicolon is. The semicolon in Corinthians 15.4 is the Ed McMahon of the New Testament. Repent. Be baptized. Fill with the Holy Ghost. Here's the real lesson. You got him? Oh yeah. See what we got. That's Doc Severinsen. Yeah. Yeah. And now, ladies and gentlemen, here's Johnny. Way to go, Matthew. <laughs> I have never stumped him. Never. All these years, him and I have been working together. Never stumped him. Do you understand what I'm saying? Watch, watch. How that Christ died according to the scripture and that he was buried and he rose the third day according to scripture. He is the real killer. And he was seen. He was seen of Peter. Then he was seen of the twelve. Then he was seen about 500 brethren at Bethany. And he was seen of James. And last of all, in verse 8, he said, I saw him like one born out of due season. That was on a Damascus road. What are you saying, Brother Hoffman? We're a gospel preaching church. You know why people get baptized? Because that's what we preach. You know why people get filled with the Holy Spirit? That's what we preach. You know why they repent? That's what we preach. But most Pentecostal churches stop right there. Paul didn't put a period. He put a semicolon. He said, have you repented? Great. Have you been baptized? Great. Have you been filled with the Holy Ghost? Great. Now, here's the biggie. 
people need to see him in you. He has to be seen. The gospel is not just death, burial, and resurrection because there's lots of churches that have taken their light and put it under a bushel. Embarrassed, ashamed. In the book of Revelation, the Lord said, if you won't shine, I'll take your candlestick away. I'll tell you what that means. Jesus would rather have Sterling Heights and Detroit in darkness than to have an apostolic church in this city that won't shine. That's what we're doing right now. Glory. Shining. He has to be seen. Because it says in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 27, and he will present to himself a glorious church. Not just a Bible church, not just talking in tongue church, a glorious church. A church that's not, I, I, God gave me this years ago, and you know I'm very cautious about saying that, but, but, but in, in the book of, I'm, I'm done. In Acts chapter two, Peter stood up and said, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. But when you go back to Joel chapter two and verse 28, that's not what it says. It does not say it'll come to pass in the last days. It says this, it shall come to pass afterward. Afterward, Joel chapter two and verse 28. So I always ask the question, after what? Watch Matthew. Give me verse 27, Matthew. And Joel, he's probably already up there. Has he already got it? Ah, oh, Jay was. The dude can read my mind, man. You know that I am in the midst of Israel and I'm the Lord your God and my people shall never be ashamed and it shall come to pass afterward. You want to know when the Holy Ghost is really going to be poured out? When I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believes to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Stand. Let's honor him today. Lord, I magnify you in this house today. I'm so grateful, God, for what you've done in my life. But I'm not going to just be in a little holy huddle. We're not just coming here, God, to have a bless me club. And we're not going to be marooned on our own little self-righteous island. We're going to drop chocolate eggs on Sunday. Why? Because we're hoping that one of them kids is going to smile. And one of them families or more than one of them families are going to show up. We had to change. We had to change a company that used to take care of our heating air conditioning. Steve Netto did a lot of Thank you, Brother Stephen. He got a call. Saturday, can I bring my family to church? Yeah, the guy that owns the company that maintains our heating and air conditioning units brought his family to church this Sunday. And Brother Morgan talking about that transgender stuff and that distinction. Most preachers would be getting nervous, but I know he was flowing with the Holy Ghost, see? It was gonna, so guess what? Soon as the guy leaves, he writes Steve a message. Wow! I have never heard anything like that about distinction of gender. He said, I was so glad my family heard that. He said, I'm so glad you people are believing that and preaching that stuff. I'll be back. You know why? He saw something. He saw something. Amen. I, come Sunday, you're, you're fixing to see a display of the glory. Worship is glory, prayer is glory, but giving's glory. It is a display to the world of who and where our treasure is and where our heart is. Lord Jesus, now my mom's sick right now, bad sick. Would you pray with me for my mom right now? Lord Jesus, I'm asking you to touch mother's lungs. I, 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 I don't wanna bury my mom and dad in the same year. Now I'll give them to you, I'll give her to you if that's what you require but I'm just going on record right now, Lord. Said we have not because we ask not because we're not asking. Well, I'm asking, I'm asking. I asked you to take my dad and you did just a couple days later. But I'm asking you, Lord, to touch my mom right now and to mend her lungs and her labor, be able to breathe without labor and to be here Sunday 
because she wants to be right back there in the middle of us thanking God for what you have done and what we've been able to bring unto you. Lord Jesus, my mom's not the only one that needs a touch. I'm asking you for Ann Curtis right now. Ann and Mark, I love you. Came to my house yesterday, said, we want to be a part of Imagine. We want to be a part of Imagine and gave their offering to me at my house yesterday. You just keep going and going and going and going and going. And we love you. We love you. We love you. Praying for you right now. Believe in God for you right now. Sean Knott. Sean Knott writes me a prayer every day. One of the most beautiful prayers. Every day sends me a prayer. Sean, we're believing for you and for your sweetheart. Believing for you and your wife. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. There are other things that need to be done. Amen. But let's believe God. Let's do what the Bible said. Let's look at things which can't be seen. Other people don't see it. I see it. I see it. In Jesus' name. It's been an honor to teach you the word. Greet one another. David Muhal, we're so glad you're back. Glad to see you again, buddy. It's always nice. Thank you. Greet one another. Amen. Show the love of the Lord in this place here. Sunday's going to be a great day. Saturday's going to be a great day. Amen. Amen. God bless every one of you. Amen. It's nice to be in Bible class again. Amen.